Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Hey, I want to tell you about the lab. If you haven't heard, it is wellness. Anywhere you go, you could listen to it like a podcast. Um, they're basically live Zoom classes, but you could listen to them on a run, or you could turn the camera on and engage with them. We have a thriving community of like-minded people trying to live better lives, and it's been amazing. Not only do we have the foundational classes like codependency and and, uh, ch- and trauma and relationships and all that, but we also have a lot of fun classes because it's so hard to make friends as adults, right? So we have tarot card readings, we have soul shower, we have astrology readings. Uh, we're turning wellness into a lifestyle. We're also uh, going to run a retreat soon. So come and hang out with us. Come ride with us. Go to the website to get into uh, the lab and then go download the app. We have a brand new app out with tons of audio. I'm going to give you a discount code um, and this is for a limited time. So if you're listening to this, you could join the lab for only $20. It's like a drop-in fee. For three months, it's $20 a month. Go to tatlab.app. That's tatlab.app. And the discount code is live better. It's case sensitive. So all lowercase, one word, live better. And I will see you in the lab. So today was a special day. It was uh, the first day our daughter was taken from us. Way too dramatic. Daycare, day one. How was that for you? Well, she's a COVID baby, which I have a lot of friends who've had COVID babies. So she's been home and I've been wrangling this idea in my head around my desire to keep her home. You know, we've had we've had someone that we trust coming to the house this whole time to help us. So continuing that versus putting her in some kind of school now that things have started opening up again and just really realizing it's not actually about me, right? She is um, very outgoing and very social and she just, she needs to be around other people. She needs the stimulation. So we made the decision. I cried all day. Um, (laughs) I came home and furiously cleaned the house and got absolutely no work done because it was the only thing I could do to keep my anxiety managed. And yeah, that was how I did. (laughs) There's something about uh, your child, leaving your child with strangers. And of course, Mm -hmm. you you know, daycare, you you trust that them, that community. But um, there's something about leaving your child that uh, instinctively, almost animalistically uh, 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 creates panic in your body. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. probably at this age, more for mothers. Yeah. No, I mean, biology wise, right? I actually texted Danae when I left her and I said, I feel like I just cut off an appendage. That's what it felt like. It must feel. And I was thinking when I, when I came home uh, to an empty house and this is the first day that our house has been Loganless um, for, for, since we've been here. And um, I was thinking. Since she's been here. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. Since her entire life. Right. And uh, I was thinking, that's got to be one of the greatest pains in this life um, because people have had their children taken from them. Mm. I don't know what, what that would feel like if your child was taken from you and there's no return. Like, 
Total sidebar, and we won't go on this this tangent, but that just, I was watching, I'm catching up on the last season of uh, Handmaid's Tale, and there was a scene for any of you guys who are watchers, this last scene where she is standing over Serena's face and she screams in her face about that exact same thing. So all of their children have been taken away from them, right? And this is like, this is the thing, like as a mother, this show has changed for me this season versus what it's always been. It's always been a very kind of emotionally dramatic show, but now I cry <laughs> every episode it's just a different i don't know it's different now yeah uh losing a child obviously extremely painful like to an accident or something like that mm -hmm. but actually a child taken from you being I mean, taken I, from you oh my god i don't know what i would do i would well, go well, insane can't think about it. yeah i can't think about it okay welcome to i don't know what episode this, um we are uh behind Ten? Yeah, we're a no, no, we've no, been no. traveling. We're, we're, we were in New York. We're, we're, that's a, that's a horrible excuse. Um, we've just been, <laughs> been lazy. Um, but but this episode is special because it's the first episode we are doing this live. And by live, I'm not saying um, I don't mean like uh, we've sold out an auditorium. Um, I mean live, Someday. live as in in you know Zoom in in the lab. And so um, we have some questions that we're going to answer live. And uh, I, I really want to. Uh, help people as much as we can. So let's get right to it. Melissa. Uh, oh, shit. I said your name. Okay. No, it's okay. First names only. We're just There's not a lot of Melissa's. Names. Yeah. You know, you could say my <laughs> name. You could say my, my first name and last name and, and people still wouldn't know because so there's a lot of John Kims. In this That's world, why I so. changed my last name because mine was the same way. <laughs> there's lots of Melissa's out there. Oh, many, many. So, yeah. um, okay. So uh, Melissa, uh, what's your question? Well, first of all, I have to say thank you to both of you. You are both phenomenal. John, I got a hold of your book years ago. I listened to your podcast with uh, Dex Shepard. It's been a few years, right? Yeah, um, that was a while ago. Yeah. Um, and that was a part of my awakening. And I've been in two marriages, both um, were long uh, one was 10 years, one was 22 years. Um, I've lived 32 years of my life for other people, um, mm -hmm. myself, and your book was a part of that. And oh, thank you. Vanessa has been amazing with showing me and, and guiding me through my codependency. I, I, I knew my ex was a codependent, but I always thought that I wasn't. And mm -hmm. then I realized, holy crap. I've takes been, two to tango. <laughs> and, you know, when you're asking me a question, I was like, I don't even know. I don't even know if I have a question, but I do have a question because I've had trauma and I've mm -hmm. had major trauma. I lost both my parents at 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And through the trauma, I've realized that that codependency, it goes together. And yeah. I didn't realize. That went together until I took a lot of Vanessa's classes and Danae's classes. And then becoming also more aware that I'm a love addict. And now I'm in Sean's class and going in towards, you know, trying to date and, you know, putting my feet into the dating world and realizing, holy crap, I don't even know how to date. And I've been seeing this guy for a couple of I'd say a couple of months. I had had lots of reservations. I had even spoke about it in class. I hated, like, I didn't, I didn't feel very comfortable, but he was, he was nice. And he, he said all the right things. And he, 
you know, was so thoughtful. And, you know, I told him that I, I, I had issues with, you know, jumping in too fast. And he's like, oh, we'll take it slow. Well, we'll take it slow. And, and then, yeah, nope, we don't take it slow. And then uh, jump in and I feel like crap. And then I'm shaming myself. And then I realized, what the heck did I just do? What did I just do? And I, it, it took me back in my mind. And I'm like, why did I do that? I saw the picture of my dad and I wanted his acceptance and his love so badly. Mm-hmm. The kid, I didn't even realize it. I just, I knew when I saw the pictures, I started to cry and I, I, I got really, you know, like it hit me, but And then that night, then I go out with this guy and, you know, we're making out and I'm like pushing back, pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. It was like the longest makeout session ever. Felt like I was in two bodies, Mm. one telling me stop the other body saying, no, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And trauma was like so evident. So can I ask you where, where are you now? Um, I'm assuming that you're no longer dating that person. Where nope. are you? Okay. And so nope. where are you now in your singlehood journey? Um, you know, uh, and, and, and how can we help you uh, in, you know, just, I guess, uh, maneuvering through the landscape of singlehood. And um, I, I mean, I love the fact that you're working on yourself. You're going to bring so much more to the table in, the ne- in this next relationship. Well, and I want to say too, Melissa, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really important that we recognize that you had the awareness of that split sense of self between what the self capital S wanted you to do. And then what the more egoic sense of self was wanting you to do, right. Which is the sense of self that craves, um, you know, approval and it craves attachment and all these things. And so we'll do anything to, to get that, maintain it, keep it right. Um, and so it sounds like that was a pretty profound experience for you to be able to witness the two sides of the coin um, and not dating him anymore. So in a sense, the capital S self, you know, in some sense, I guess one out, but to John's point, what are, what are you struggling with right now? Now that you're kind of, I'm assuming back out there. Oh, I don't think I can be out there. Okay. Why I, is that? I think I, I feel like I'm, I don't have the confidence in myself to you know, I could have said no. I I wanted to say no so many times through this, through that, you know, makeout session. And so you don't trust yourself. I don't trust myself. And I don't How know. did it end? How did it end? Did you end it with him or did he end it with you? I ended it. So you did say no. Well, after I'd already had sex with him. But you did say no. Yeah. Okay. So I'm hearing the shame. I'm hearing the beating myself, you know, beating yourself up for the going forward with it, even though that part of yourself was saying not to, uh, and that's all valid. And that needs to be sat with and processed, uh, and not swept under the rug because it's all very important. And the reframe that I want you to, I guess, keep in mind is that this work is not linear. This work is not a light switch. We don't learn about our patterns, our traumas, our triggers, our behaviors, and then magically overnight start being quote unquote perfect. It is a long process and it usually feels like 10 steps forward, five steps back, two steps forward, three steps back, 
five steps forward, 10 steps back. That's the normal process by which this stuff happens. What I will say, and I'm here to kind of give you this reflection, you still said no, ultimately, ultimately. That in itself, to me, seems like progress. It might not be enough progress for you to feel confident in yourself, but as an external witness, that to me still feels like progress. Yeah, I even, I sent, I, 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 you know, the next day, I wanted to see how it panned out. And the next day, I, I gave him, you know, the day to kind of see what the reaction would be after our interlude. Mm-hmm. And it was like, he texts me, oh, I'm tired today. And I was like, oh, shit, really? And I was going to say, um, I'm noticing that you're not very compassionate towards yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of judgment like, oh, I fucked up. What did I do? Um, So I would really work on that because you're going to need to be um, compassionate towards yourself. You're going to have to be kind to yourself um, to um, have more confidence and and, um, trust yourself, you know? And so, yeah, I think that from your story, what what I picked up on is how hard you are on you. And um, I think a lot of being single is, you know, it's, it's, it's not just about finding a partner. It's about um, trusting yourself again, or maybe for the first time. And so well, it's learning about yourself through others, right? right? So, so this experience was hard, but you learned a lot about yourself through this experience. So we can't necessarily wish the experience didn't happen or wish it away. Otherwise, you'd still be in the same position you were in before. Right. And to talk about what John is saying with self-compassion, the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that the practice of building self-compassion, and it's a practice, is actually paramount to any kind of self-betterment practice because um, self-actualization, you know, learning about the self, trusting the self, all the things that we work on in these kind of, um, whether it's therapy or group practices, they actually go hand in hand with self-acceptance and self-compassion. They actually can't live and exist and flourish without it. So it's imperative that almost as a, you know, it's, it's running parallel, but it's only, it's almost its own thing that you are strengthening and working on self-compassion um, in order to keep moving forward on your journey. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, Melissa, thank you for the, the, the kind words and also the, the question and the share. I think yeah, many can I relate that was to helpful. Yeah. No, it was. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm my, my worst critic and I am hard on myself and yeah. that's not part of my past, part of my upbringing, part of the men I was involved sure. with. Sure. Of course. Uh, uh, many, they, many can relate to that. Absolutely. Yeah. David, you have a question. Hi. Yeah. Uh, first I want to say I relate with Melissa and a lot of what she was saying. I think there's certain things I've actually worked on past certain ways, but I just want to say I like told her really that. And then want to thank you. John and Vanessa for the example you've been setting all this just open conversation. It's been really helpful for a lot of what I've been going through as of late. To my question, um, I have been going through a lot of change and understanding in myself and acknowledging certain parts about myself like the people-pleasing and exchanging values that other people have for my own. And I'm after looking through a lot of that, I've realized the blueprint I had for love wasn't wholly mine. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm taking a step back and as I'm kind of letting go of certain shame from the way I was raised with um, just parents and religion and other things and just society in general, I'm, I'm generally pretty hard on myself with things. And I, I guess so my point is that I'm, I would hold on to the ideal of an image like th this looks good. So that's what I should want. And I'm seeing that and feeling, Oh, I, I don't know if this is really what I want. So I currently am in a really healthy relationship that I like and very grateful for. And it's with these new things coming up though, I feel I can't give her that like, this is what I want for the future right? mm. that I want. Like if this is going to, you know, it doesn't have to be marriage now, but if this is going somewhere, marriage would be a place at some point. And I don't know that that is even what I want anymore. Mm. Cause I'm seeing, it's like, well, I don't know. It's like being single might be good. And I have this new definition of what that even means or all these other different definitions of love that I'm seeing and now for the first time asking like without the shame or the ideal around them if this is even something I want or if it isn't and I guess how, it's how would you know if it is or not I guess part of my thought at this point is like do I allow myself to have some new love experiences if mm -hmm. it feels like these are certain things that I can't just like visualize or ask myself at it feels like things that I need to experience and allow myself to take that step back and use the tools that I have now to kind of rewrite my blueprint. Is, is Why there, can't you, sorry, John, go ahead. Is there a part of you that, feel, how long have you been dating this person? Year and a half. Okay. Is there a part of you, um, cause after a year and a half, it's getting serious. Um, are you guys, have you guys moved in or no? No, no. Uh, and you see, see, um, this person often. Like daily weekends. or yeah. weekends, okay. Weekends. Is there a part of you that feels like, okay, if I continue, this is going to lead to marriage or to, you know, um, commitment and I need to go um, have some different love experiences because I'm used to tracing this old love, love blueprint, as you said, and I want to, I'm thirsty for something new. And maybe this, um, this is, you see it as ending in um, you not being able to do that. Yeah, it's it's like I I think using your words is a, a feeling of serial monogamous, and mm -hmm. I might not. I also notice I don't. I haven't really had enough time to have a pattern with that yet. And she's the longest and healthiest relationship I've had, so it's it's new in that regard. So David, you've said healthy like three times. And so Sorry. I'm wondering, no, no, I'm say, it's a good thing. I'm reflecting it back to you. And I'm wondering if this is the healthiest relationship you've ever had, why can't you have those new love experiences with this person? I think what it is for me is I'm asking questions like, is like, like is polyamory something I'm into? Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's is. I also okay. don't know that it's not. Right. And have you had this conversation? Is it, is it yes. her? It, okay. Yeah. And I, 
something that clicked with me this past weekend or last weekend was <laughs> like um, our definition of love and that not lining up because I was struggling with this for a long time and I couldn't mm-hmm. put words to it, but that was like my definition. I don't know what my definition is anymore. I think there's roots that I've placed and like looking back, I'm like, oh, like, I don't know that I even agree with this anymore. But, and I'm trying to siphon through that. I just feel like I'm in a lot of change and I don't know where I'm going to end up. And I don't feel like can intentionally like give her certainty towards where we would be going. John, this feels very similar to some of the struggles you had when we first started dating. Yeah, I was going to say, and I'm just going to go very direct, um, just because, you know, it's a podcast and we don't have uh, a lot of time. Um, Either this is your truth and you need to answer this call if it's coming from an honest place or it's a cop out. Or mm-hmm. it's a way to, right. um, if, if, if you haven't experienced something healthy ever, it's going to feel weird. You know, healthy isn't, uh, uh, sometimes isn't fireworks and, um, you know, the lightning in the bottle. And, right. you know, because that craziness, uh, which we can mistake for love, um, shoots a lot of dopamine. But it's, you know, it's, it's young love, you know, um, mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s. Uh, and I think Vanessa as well, our love, our younger love experiences, we, you know, our bodies would hurt if we were away from the person and the other person couldn't have their own life. And it was, and that was romantic and it was amazing. It's like, okay, if you go down, I'm going down with you. Um, but all of that now as a 48 year old, I realize is not healthy. It's just, it's just a lot of highs, you know? And so I think the question you have to ask yourself is, is there truth here? I mean, when I first met Vanessa, I was at a place, um, and this is why I wrote the book single on purpose. I was trying to be single and get into uh, new love experiences that I've never had before, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I was always in relationships. So I wanted to have a one night stand. I wanted to wake up with someone that I didn't like. And I want you know, all the stories that we hear about. I never mm-hmm. had those things. Right. And so um, I, I kind of started on that path a little bit. Um, and then then I met Vanessa and I had a lot of resistance because I was like, oh, if if I move, if I move forward with this person, I know it's going to be. Um, a commitment. I know. uh, And I wanted it to be, I mean, I I, I thought she was Mm. amazing and she was healthy. I knew that there was enough there that this was going to have legs. You know what I'm saying? If, if, if I met Vanessa and I knew there wasn't a future there, then it it would, there would be no anxiety, but the anxiety came from knowing that this could be um, quote unquote the one. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I, there was a panic in me. Okay. That means that I'm not going to be able to go do all the, you know, the crazy stuff or what do they call it? Sow your oats or whatever. Um, and so I, I, I did stutter and I did backpedal and I was very, um, ambivalent and she had a problem with that. Um, but at the end of the day, I decided to swim past all that because it was healthy because I wanted to experience something new. And, you know, it's been three years and, you know, our relationship isn't perfect, but I am now experiencing something. Um, but more importantly, convincing my body that this is what healthy love looks like, or at least for me now. Well, know? and also going back to what you were saying about love experience, this is kind of why I asked you this question, David, is like, why can't you experience it in this relationship? Right. And, and you might not mm-hmm. be able to, like you said, you know, you guys, you guys right. had a conversation the other day and it might not match up. Um, that's different. So, you know, John's ambivalence, understanding his fear around it and whatever, um, the more, the longer we've been together, the more we've had these conversations, the more we've realized that we are both looking to have 
similar new love experiences. Mm -hmm. And so because of that shared desire, Mm -hmm. uh, we're in it together. Right. Um, and so we have open dialogues about, we've had conversations about polyamory, about open relationships. Like Mm -hmm. it's not about one person being hundred percent on board and the other person not being or whatever. It's just being able to have those kind of conversations and like, well, what do you think? What do you think? Um, but if you're having conversations about definitions of love, and once you start having these once you start digging in and you start having these conversations, if it feels like you guys are literally on like, you know, two different planets, mm-hmm. then that feels like a different conversation. Yeah. And I want to point out that you made mention earlier, like you've talked a lot about like, oh, well, I don't want to do this. Sorry. I, w- I don't want to assume you said her, right? Yes. Okay. So I don't want to do this to her. Like, I don't want to do this to her. Look, I think the bottom line here is as long as you are honest and I always mm-hmm. say it's the three, well, I wish they were all, C's or K's because it would make a better, a better statement, but clear, (laughs) kind, and concise. That's the only thing that you're responsible for and honesty. Okay. The rest of it is on them. You can't save her. You can't protect her. You can't fix her. You can't make the decision for her, right? You can't do any of that. All you can do is be clear, kind, concise, and honest, Mm -hmm. and then allow her to make her own decision with the information that you're giving her. That helps like immensely. And that's, yeah. Yeah. And I want to end with this just to confuse you before you leave. (laughs) If there's attraction there and it doesn't have to be crazy fireworks, but if there's an adult Mm -hmm. attraction and Mm -hmm. uh, you're like, man, this is healthy. I like how I feel in this. Mm -hmm. I would personally play it out because you don't want to leave early thinking, shit, what if I stayed in it for for you know three more right and so right um you don't want this person to be uh the one that got away even though i don't really believe in the one that got away uh you want right. to play it out because when you play it out you will eventually know you will eventually come to a conclusion where you're like okay you know what i'm in or i'm not and it seems like right now um you're confused but that confusion um is could lead to poor decisions or decisions you may regret so what's the you know what's the play it out yeah keep going if it's good, I, keep going. See what happens. But but, but be clear, kind, concise, and honest. Right. Because yeah. right, you can't you can't be ambivalent. Yeah. And her be in the dark about your ambivalence because that's just that's fucked up. That's me. Yeah. Right? I, I've been yeah. I've been doing better about just finally like being clear with her and just laying it out on the table and allowing her to just make those decisions instead of freaking out about it. And I yeah, because will... here's what I will say, David. Like John was very ambivalent in the beginning, and mm-hmm. and I he was honest about his ambivalence. It didn't mean that it didn't hurt. He was honest about it because he was honest about it. I was able to make the decision to stick around and, and play it mm-hmm. out because I, I really felt that it was worth it, even though he was still a little ambivalent about it. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had a part in that decision. Right. And then after, I don't know, the third or fourth kind of, I like to say, it's like the ambivalent cycle that we went through. I had had enough and I had hit my wall and I kind of told him that, and it was kind of like in that in that cycle where I, as the other person in this relationship said, yeah, I don't, I'm, I actually have more self-worth than this. Like, I don't want to stick around for another Mm -hmm. cycle of this ambivalence. Then all of a sudden it was like a, oh shit, wait. And then all of a sudden it changed. And I'm not saying it was like, he stayed because I was like, you know, gave him an ultimatum, but it was like, I was on, I was part of those decisions every time. Like he Mm -hmm. was ambivalent and I knew it. So I chose to stay like, it didn't happen to me. Do you know what I'm gotcha. saying? So I guess that's why I'm, okay. I'm giving you this whole thing of like yeah. bring her in on the conversation because right. she's just as much a part of this as you are. Of course. But it's his decision to stay best decision she's ever made in her life. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know about the 
Okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you, David. Thank you. You know what? Um, what you're thank going you. through. Um, yeah, what you're going through is so common. Um, I mean, I can relate mm-hmm. to it. I think many people can. And so if you're listening and you can relate to that, um, my, my kind of, um, and I know every situation is different, but my kind of short answer is always like, just play it out. You know, um, if you're confused, yeah. uh, cause I feel like, uh, time will tell, don't play it out for 10 years, but play it out because, um, in like Vanessa was saying, uh, yes, of course, communicate and, and don't, don't hide. Uh, that's, that's not cool. Um, but express yourself, communicate and play it out. And, and, and it, it, it will unfold, you know, it will either, what's going to happen is either it's going to grow mm-hmm. and turn into something bigger than both of you guys, or it's going to start to fall apart, you know? And, so- um, there, there's I've, more peace with it. I have one more question related to that specifically. I'd, I've been sitting with these and unpacking these thoughts since about February, January, and it's gotten deeper as I've gone on. And as I'm understanding it more, it's like, I don't want to string her along to an mm-hmm. inevitable mm-hmm. like break off when I could just, if I'm feeling this truth now. So I guess it's like, do I still push through that or even if I feel like I've given it the time. Yeah. I mean, depending on how strong that truth is. Okay. I mean, you, you know? use the word inevitable. Fair. <laughs> uh, that to me feels pretty, pretty clear. Yeah. Okay. And that's why I said, yes, play it out if you're unsure. But if you, if, if there it is truth and you know, in your heart of hearts, uh, then yeah, then it's like, um, it's like the, um, the injured animal on the side of the road, you know, you, you have to put it out of its misery or it's going to suffer. And so, yeah, if you see people suffering, people being hurt, if you keep, you know, uh, pulling the bandaid, um, and not allowing things to kind of heal and grow, then sure. There's a responsibility to that as well. Okay. That helps yep. both sides of that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. And, uh, if you are not a part of the lab, uh, go to uh, tatlab.app and you could jump into um, live podcasts like this or um, many of the the 20 plus uh, live classes that we have uh, weekly. And uh, we'd love for you to be a part of this community. Thank you for listening. Be well. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that, and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordo. Journey coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community lifetime support and business development, ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on become a coach and explore the journey coaching intensive. See you in class.